0: Copy, shift box. I got a radio check. Yeah, radio's
1: working
0: fine. Yeah, copy your personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. Yeah, in the vip bag. Yeah, stitcher up,
1: then, thanks, mate. Yeah, right, eh, copy that. Jodo, do you want to have a go at the intro today? Nah, nah, I wouldn't I infringe on your territory, <laughs> <thing>, no. <I'd. laughs>
0: Oh, you're no good for shorts at all. G'day Money (laughs) Miners, welcome to today's show, The Mining News. 17th of May, this beautiful Wednesday, and we're going into big, big, blue, blue chip territory with uh, BHP. Mike Henry did a speech at the Bank of America conference and some plenty, plenty of good, a good Q&A at the end of it, which is going to be very interesting, especially about the uh, lithium side of their business that does not exist. And we're going to go a bit into Greatland Gold as well. So, Trav, JD, let's get right into the Buddy. Mike Henry speech. What is going on? So, Top to my end my last of the day town. I'm getting
2: graced with the presence of JD. I'm going to going to miss him.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: JD's going um, African bush, aren't you?
0: Yeah,
2: that's it. Going to scout out the sites.
1: Botswana, Namibia, South Africa.
0: Yeah, uh, we're doing a bit of prospecting, are you, JD? That's it, mate. So, so make sure you tell them all to subscribe over there. <laughs>
2: How could I forget? So it's been Trav for three weeks. Uh yeah. Unless we bloody phone JD and from um, a place that doesn't have too good reception, where uh, an eight-hour time difference. That sure, you guys can bloody hard rope in some better guests.
0: Uh, maybe is there anyone better than JD? I don't think so. Debatable. Right, let's get into it. Too much chit chat, JD. We're trying to make this crisp, mate. Bloody, uh B- BHP, Mike Henry's speech. Later off, lads, what was it about? What was the guy? It
1: was a super interesting one. So this is the uh, Bank of America conference, as you mentioned, for metals and mining. So all the big dogs there, Rio representing, tech, Glencore were also there. So like you said, we don't normally touch on a company as enormous as BHB, but seeing as we are in the, the mining field and commodities, and that's what BHB do, we thought it'd be worth a listen. And it was actually a really interesting presentation. So you spoke for probably 15 or 20 minutes, and then did a bit of a Q&A session. And you can find this on the, the BHB website if you are interested. I would recommend it. It was pretty interesting what he had to say, in
2: particular that Q&A section at the end. What did you think of it, Trev? Pretty insightful, right? Like, you know, BHP, an absolute behemoth. And um, just sort of having some sort of grounding on how they're thinking about uh, the company, but also just how they're thinking about commodities broadly, they spend a lot of money and and they have a lot of experts. Um and so like every move that they have from a strategy perspective is super thought through. They might not always get it right, but it is like, yeah, I think pretty damn insightful to just sort of, you know, get get as close as you can to to unraveling what their strategy is and and how all of that information is is feeding them because it it absolutely flows through to the rest of the industry. Yeah, Yeah.
0: there was key, I guess key topics that that was separated the chat. So you had growth, you had buy and build, you had commodity selection. And so that pertained to the to the lithium side of things, capital allocation, and a uh, bit of QA. So let's start with the top one of the chat. Growth. What did old Mr. Henry have to say about oh, growth? I
2: reckon like the context here for the listener, and I'm sure our listeners know this, right? But you know, the, the big thing for BHP that um that they're always trying to persuade the market. Um, of differently is everyone everyone the the first thing people can knock about bhp is that they don't have a good growth story you know they, they 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 obviously lacked a lot of um greenfield shovel ready development projects and they haven't you know built something um you know new and sexy in quite a while in that respect and obviously the deal they did with oz gave them some exposure to some of those um, you know growth shovel ready projects they got west musgrave which is yeah going to be a pretty substantial operation there so i think part of that you know m piece was actually um, born from a space of needing a bit of a growth story and um, it was actually really interesting hearing how mike henry talked about growth you know like jd you had a few pretty pretty salient takeaways there what did you think
1: yeah, so it's it's super fascinating, and I love the way the the host asked this question, sort of putting it into context, how does a company as enormous as BHB grow, which is a question a lot of us have on our ma- minds. So his first off the bat was they are a big company, obviously, but that also means they have a lot of resources. So,
2: mm-hmm. and th- But their, their denominator, right? If you're talking about growth on their denominator, their market cap, it's just... Like, you know, the, a single project doesn't move the needle too much, right? Absolutely.
1: And he, he was actually quick to defend that if you do look at BHB on a, on a longer sort of time horizon, they actually have done a pretty good job at creating growth for, for their shareholders. But the, the first real topic he got into in regard to growth was actually not in terms of expansion on the greenfields and brownfields, but productivity. And he he highlighted the numbers that a sustained 10% improvement in cost Will provide $15 to $20 billion in value. And that that'd
0: tie into all the, the automation and everything that's employed in the iron ore operations now compared to what historically 10 years ago. I'm, Absolutely. Not, I'm not too up on it, but and and the control centers like the you know, one person can be operating 40 trucks.
1: Yeah, and just look at the, Look at the um the cost savings at the WA iron ore operations, the cost of getting one ton. Over the past ten or fifteen years, has just got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as they run these things more and more efficiently. It's pretty, it's pretty
2: mind-boggling. It is a good point, right? Like, yeah, I can't imagine too many greenfields projects out there delivering fifteen to twenty billion dollars of, of value. Um, so when you when you sort of reframe growth as not a new project, but actually as a cost saving. Um, it actually makes sense for BHP. It doesn't for a lot of other companies, but it does for BHP. Absolutely. So he also said
1: that their sort of IP works well. They have benefits across all commodities. You can learn something in met coal, and that'll apply to iron ore. And those sort of productivity improvements and focusing on price is something I just admire. And we spoke about it before. We spoke about it in the context of Warren Buffett, in the context of Capricorn. All the great companies are just
2: laser focused on costs. So I
1: really loved that point.
2: It actually ties in a bit with with the capital allocation piece, I think, because, you know, in, tw- in 2018, BHP, they came out with this capital allocation framework and that's informed a lot of the way that they deploy capital nowadays. They... Um, they, this framework, you know, it was interesting. There's a bit of a, a thought piece that they put out where they they look backwards and realise that they, as a company, were actually pro-cyclical capital investors in the sense that the commodity price went up and then they decided it was um, a great time to spend all the money in the ground. Um, and we know in mining that you actually make money by doing the opposite. You, you want to spend the spend the money in the down market and then reap the rewards um, in the in the good times. So they they did that sort of internal reflection and then and then brought out this like you know pretty disciplined and thoughtful capital allocation framework that, um, you know, has led to uh, pretty substantial, you know, return on capital employed sort of metrics in the intervening time. Um, and I just, I, I think it, that totally ties in, you know, Mike talked about having this internal competition for capital yeah. that is born out of, um, you know, this, this disciplined, you know, view, um, and, and, you know, and also having, having a kind of a, a 50%, um, Impact distribution to, to dividends policy also reinforces that internal competition for capital.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love that piece on the competition within the company for, for capital. The projects have to compete with one another. So Mike has been at BHB a long time now and he's been there at times when they spent two to three times what they're currently spending on CapEx and the, the sort of philosophy of the company and its spending was quite different then and he's really emphasising that this payout ratio Makes that internal competition for projects that much better, and ultimately leads to better outcomes for for shareholders.
0: So, is Mike, Mike Henry was he head of copper before
1: CEO or iron ore? He,
0: he was he cop- was
1: head of iron ore amongst many other roles. He'd been uh, pretty well distributed across the various uh, roles. Yeah, yeah I actually think his you know early
2: career background was coal. Yeah, yeah I know.
1: I
0: forgot if he was head because I remember they tied in the comments a while back you know, when he was in that position. He said that. Olympic Dam wasn't a BHP class operation, and then they were tying that back into his when he was CEO recently. So, wasn't sure it was copper if he took copper after Mackenzie, but we'll go with iron ore. Uh, now we'll get on to buy versus build, and that I guess that sort of ties in with growth, and we can probably tailor it to each commodity because like iron ore in their iron ore growth and is, you know, a lot of their green fields and expansions and organic growth in the Pilbara, whereas copper has been like, right, let's buy Oz Minerals to really uh, amplify our copper output, though they obviously own massive assets like Escondida, partial ownership. Uh biverse build. JD, what did this little bit say?
1: Yeah, again, this was another one that the, um, the host – Posed the question really well. So the way he sort of worded it was along the lines of, if all these mining companies are just buying one another, are we really getting to the point where we're delivering the metals that the world ultimately needs? So Mike sort of came back saying that if you just look at the the numbers, he's dead right. There are freakishly large numbers. He referenced earlier in the presentation, a quarter of a trillion dollars needed by the end of the decade to be invested in in copper alone to get us to where we need to be pre-2050. So that was a, a super fascinating part of the... Well, I think
2: that ties in, you know, he also sort of made that that comment around um, the whole industry getting, you know, capital allocation pretty wrong in the last boom. You know, what did that look like? It looked like, you know, spending lots of money on construction um, at peak commodity prices and then those that construction, you know, blowing out until... Um, and when prices had already come off, so instead of actually, you know, distributing that um, those returns to to shareholders, they were reinvesting at the top of the market. And I think that what 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 he alluded to was was actually the whole industry sort of you know looking internally and thinking we need to be better at capital allocation. And as a result of that, there's this you know um, broad brush of of mining companies that are far more like like far like like they just have a greater propensity to actually just distribute their profits to shareholders instead of reinvesting it in the ground, um, BHP included. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? You've got this requirement for money to be spent in the ground, but but the corporate landscape is actually um, being a bit fearful of, of doing that because of the the historic um, context.
0: And they're, they're obviously looking for Greenfield's opportunities. They did the grant in New South Wales, I think, so they were granting the small exploration companies um yeah, oh, I think uh, a BHB
1: Explore is the name of the program. Yeah, and they so partner to... with a number of juniors. So yeah, just... which are all co- mostly focused around copper. So, they're... yeah, copper and base metals. Yeah, yeah. And they're looking to to ramp that up over the next you know few years, quite quite strongly. I think we're we're due for we're due for a big a big copper discovery in Australia. I think between the the highlight ones are really what Degruyser and well, I'll blank on the name here, but there was a discovery they've got in South Australia at the moment which got more mentions than any other exploration Target had in the last eight years in their latest annual report. So they were quite excited by that one. Uh, I think that ties in well to commodities and what they're looking at in the future. So naturally the question came lithium. BHB isn't in lithium. And the the reasoning behind this was super fascinating, wasn't it?
2: Mate, intriguing. Like seriously, like Yeah. Really, really interesting. The wording that he chose to use is kind of really telling of how like thoughtful they are about um, entering a new commodity. And the words that that really you know struck me was you know he basically said they haven't chosen to enter lithium for a couple of reasons. One being is that they don't think the cost curve in lithium will be steep enough in the long term in order to sustain. Um, high margins, even if you have the really really good projects. So, you know, he's, he's basically insinuating by that that he thinks over the long term, um, you know, like the the, the cost curve is going to be pretty flat because there'll be plenty of supply that can come online.
1: Absolutely. So, flowing on from that, he sort of said where BHB's intentions really line a line that is copper, nickel, potash, and then in the bulks with met coal and iron
2: ore. The, the, the move for potash is really interesting, right? And obviously, that's all Jansen and, and Jansen Stage One. Um, yeah, they got quite a big mention in the presentation. Yeah, well, that's their growth story, right? Like the, the potash piece is their big growth story at the moment, I think.
1: Yeah, and um, brought forward first
2: production of Stage One there to twenty twenty six. Into twenty twenty six, yeah, and Stage Two will sort of feed off that. I think, yeah, I think I think that's going to be pretty, pretty interesting part of the the BHP story going forward. And and we'll um yeah we'll all be, be watching. That one.
0: What about why potash? Why are they interested in potash?
2: Well, like the thematics, like you look at BHP, how they 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 talk about global trends informing their views of commodities, and for potash, the global trends are actually pretty compelling. Um, potash is of course used in fertilisers, but um, like what are the global trends that you know underpin increasing demand for potash over time? Well, it's increasing urbanisation. Um, it's increasing agricultural intensity. Um, it's also the the fact that, you know, climate change is actually changing the way that um, how, how fertile our lands are. So it's all of these like trends, including population growth as well, sort of underpins it. And all, all, of, all of those trends sort of yeah underpin, um, in, you know, increasing demand for potash over time.
1: And I think you can tie in with that the sort of de-globalisation type of trend and a lot of this stuff comes from Ukraine at the moment and we saw the sort of um, – Volatility in the prices of these things over the past year, so that would be another tailwind if you are a producer of potash.
0: Oh, someone told me to buy a potash share after the Russia-Ukraine war, and uh, it just went
2: down. Yeah, d- don't. I buy was it. too late. <laughs> yeah, I but mean it's a different. Like, so what VHP is doing is they're mining are, M- MOP the MOP as opposed to um, like a lot of the ones on the ASX. They're um, so they're yeah. aiming to you know produce SOP from. Um, Salt Lake. So it's a completely different process. Right. Okay,
0: yeah. let's get on to the next one. We're getting to the opportunity to be crisp on this one, JD. Greatland Gold. So rumours of listing on the ASX. So they're currently listed on the London Stock Exchange. So Greatland Gold, for people that don't know, have the Haveron Deposit, which is up in near Telfer. So there was a JV with... Newcrest but Newcrest didn't buy their extra 5% in that project so which put it and uh, there was a conference last year that Newcrest CEO Sandeep was speaking at and he didn't mention Haveron in the presentation at all which started the speculation are Newcrest going to be doing this with Haveron or not, with um, Greatland Gold or not. So right, JD, Trav,
1: take it away. Yeah, so this um, company will ultimately end up with Thirty percent, and like you said, Newcrest in that JV will have about seventy percent of the project. So it's it's quite an interesting one. And like like you sort of said, the um the rumors are that they'll have their ASX listing in the September quarter. The company's confirmed that they're looking to be listed in Australia by the September quarter as well. I think the the key uh, piece of information there is whether they have to do an equity raising. So. This, the rumours sort of came out yesterday and the share price was off almost 12% on, on the back of that and there were rumours floating around of a $50 to $100 million capital raising on the back of that.
2: Mm. So an AF, AFR Street Talk article comes out sort of, yeah, hypothesising that this dual listing will involve a capital raising. Share price comes off and then mm. Greatland Gold put out uh, a press release or, or, or announcement themselves to, um, to, to, to address that rumour. Are basically saying they haven't decided whether or not they're going to do a capital raising alongside it or not. Um, that whole share price movement piece is interesting, right? Like, yeah, it's. Um, I think you see a bit of this stuff kind of happening in, in the space a bit, where, um, where, wherever there's an anticipated capital raise to come. Um, yeah, some funds are, are opportunistic in that light, and they'll, um, yeah, sh- like like short ahead of time and then buy into the raise. Yeah, I think it's sort
1: of the nature of companies that are pre-revenue, just spending a lot of money and they're reliant on on capital markets. And it's actually not the only rumour that's sort of swirling around the stock. Obviously, with the, the huge Newmont, Newcrest tie-up that we're seeing, there have been rumours that um, the company Greatland would have a go at maybe getting Telfer.
2: Yeah, well, like, yeah, for Greatland to get Telfer, that kind of, that theory makes a bit, a bit more sense to me when you just look at greatlands board um yeah like while have positioned themselves there and you look at the board and it's filled with a bunch of highly credentialed fmg guys it sort of gives you the the feeling like they want to build it um or that yeah that they, that they want you know long-term position here it doesn't it doesn't feel and look like a board that wants to sell themselves
0: yep and look telf is um look it's still ticking along the the main cave finished but um look i'm not too up on it i did work there but um Oh, there'd be mass amounts of exploration potential in and around that mine. It's so just a massive. There is bloody gold everywhere up there. So and a lot of in- infrastructure. Massive mill. Um, yeah, that's what I guess positioned Newcrest so well
1: to be the the JV partner with Greatland.
0: Yeah, but I think there was still conjecture. Are they going to truck it to Telfer because it's going to be a very large scale deposit, Havron, because it's a big. Um, oh, I think it's a porphyry system. Like, b it's a big bulk mining system. Yeah, big system. Are they gonna, gold thing. Yeah, they're going to truck that much all the way to Telfer, which is a bit of a distance. Or are they going to build on site? So, not not sure. Jury's out. Right, let's get on to the recap. Uh, nice, quick one, Patriot put some PMT, the jewel listing, put out some more stonking results, 122.6 metres at 1.89% lithium and 130 metres at 1.56% lithium at their Corvette project. Mineral resource estimate is uh, coming up, Blair, I think he said, about July. Uh, and, yes, Trav, there was no cross-sections in this. Truck. I thought we, we, I thought we had in.
2: Blair here. I thought, I thought he would um, – He'd, he'd subscribed to the money of mine philosophy of including cross sections and excluding drill core, but no, he's let us down. <laughs>
0: I don't. I, based on uh, your dealings, Trav, I don't think he has much intention to not let you down. <laughs> <sighs> Oodoro. <laughs> Oodoro. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.